This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 51. This episode is a taboo subject, per usual, here on Voices of Your Village. It's a personal one for me. I am sharing my personal journey with anxiety as a rape survivor, and... Honestly, I was nervous to do this one, not for my own emotions. I feel like I have gotten pretty good at at processing those, although not perfect and it is not flawless. But mostly I don't, I'm always nervous about triggering other folks because if you haven't built your emotion processing toolbox, I know how hard it is to live in a triggered world. And... So I'm always mindful of that. And also, I don't want anyone to feel shame or guilt if you are living with anxiety. Instead, my hope with this episode is for you to see that it's super common and a lot of people experience anxiety which is really just getting stuck in the feeling of fear and that I genuinely believe you don't have to live your life like that. I go into it in this episode, but finding the therapist and support team that's best for you is a huge piece of this puzzle. To be honest, I invited our therapist to our wedding. She said she's like not allowed to do that. But I was like, you, I feel like saved my marriage because she helped me with my emotion processing so much that I was able to better show up in the world as a partner to Zach. If you are a sexual assault survivor and you're in a triggered place or you're struggling right now with some hard feelings, maybe pause this and come back to it because I do talk a lot about my experience and where my rape happened and how things went down and it could be very triggering for you. 
Also, if you ever, 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 ever need a place to come and to talk and to vent, my DMs fill up with people's sexual assault stories pretty frequently. And it is a safe space for you to come and share your story with me. I know how stinking hard it is to share your story and also how hard it is to experience it alone and in isolation. I did that for a long time. And then also sharing my story was really hard. So I I get both sides of that. But if you are feeling like you just need to share it with somebody who feelings you are not responsible for, come on over. It's at seed.and.so. You can also always send me an email, Alyssa at seedandso.org. Yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm on your side. I'm here to support you in any way that I can. And sometimes it's just nice to have somebody who has walked, even even though every story will be different, like walked a similar path or knows some of the triggers and, and feelings associated with it. In fact, when I watched the Kavanaugh hearings and uh, Dr. Ford, you could tell, I could tell, uh, who was a sexual assault survivor in how they responded to things because, like, at one point she was asked if she was at her parents, like, sitting around talking about it, and everyone who shared that who was a sexual assault survivor was like, um, no, like sharing this story with your parents can be the absolute hardest thing in the world to do. No one wants to sit around and chat with their parents about it. Yeah, a tangent, I guess, but I see you is what I'm saying. And I get what it's like to have an experience like that. And there is a space for you over at Seed. Come on over. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. So I've shared a lot both on here and over on Instagram about my journey as a sexual assault survivor, and I kind of want to just dive into this a little bit because it controlled so much of my life for so long living with anxiety. So anxiety is when you're stuck in fear, right? You're afraid and you can't get out of that fear and it can spiral. Don't I know it? But I had the privilege of a supportive partner who led me to therapy. And then after some therapist shopping and finding therapists that were right for me, I got to this place where I, guys, I'm, I genuinely feel like I'm thriving when it comes to anxiety and it isn't debilitating and it doesn't rule me anymore. And I don't have to make decisions from a place of fear anymore. And it's been quite a journey to get to this spot. But if 
I can support you at all. If listening to this is helpful for any one of you, uh, then great. I've done my job. So one of the things that I'm going to talk a lot about are triggers. Triggers are essentially things that my brain is associating with something else. It makes me have a rush of feelings, typically fear for me, that bring me back to that experience, the traumatic experience. Actually, we were just, we're re-watching West Wing for the one millionth time, and we were watching the episode after Josh has been shot, and the psychologist is meeting with him, and Josh learns that when he hears music to him, his brain thinks of it as sirens, which triggers him right back to the feelings of being shot and being attacked. And so for me, there are triggers that I've had to learn to be aware of. And in the early parts of therapy for me, a lot of it was figuring out like, what are my triggers? So I'm just going to list a few of mine and I'll share like what that means and how that then played into my life. So I was triggered by basements, uh, just like walking really like downstairs that isn't like second floor to first floor could be triggering for me. A button down jeans. So instead of a zipper, but a button fly, I was wearing a button fly the evening that I was raped. And so those like putting those back on, I can still like feel that feeling. And I found myself later triggered really when I wasn't alone in a room, specifically with a male. So I went to get a massage one time and I showed up and it was male massage therapist. And and this one is probably pretty obvious, but being like naked on a table is pretty vulnerable, especially face down. So things like that. But then I even, I went and did acupuncture and the uh, acupuncturist, is that a word? Is that what that title is? Sorry, hopefully I didn't offend anybody. If that's not the right word and that's your job, but I'm going to go with acupuncturist, was a female. And so I was like, all right, cool. And then I laid down and all of a sudden there were needles in my body and I realized that I couldn't leave or I didn't feel like I could leave if I needed to. And I was like rushed with fear and ended up just calling her back into the room and she like readjusted things and talked me through how I could get some out if I needed to feel like I need to get away and things like that. Um, but it took me having to call her into the room and say, Hey, as I'm like face down on the stable needles all over my body and then say to her, I'm a sexual assault survivor. I'm feeling really triggered right now. So I had to be aware of what that feels like. And it took a long time for me to figure that out and to recognize, oh, I'm feeling anxious before I was like off the deep end because I can spiral, right? Like for me, at least like I can start to feel anxious. It's almost like different levels. Like if I can, if I'm aware of it early in this process, then it's easier to like override in my brain. But if it's been going on and I'm just like layering trigger on top of trigger or I'm triggered by something in that feeling, 
of fear like sit and ruminates and is unprocessed in my body, then it just gets harder and harder for me to process. And I can like spiral out of control. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their Lux women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin, too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for Mila Bean, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. So I had to like identify literally what that felt like in my body. And this is actually something uh, that Rachel, our sleep consultant, I have talked a lot about. She shares about her struggles with anxiety in episode eight uh, as a cancer survivor. And uh, she and I have connected a lot on like just learning what it feels like in your body first of how it feels to be feeling anxious. And then I could move on to like, okay, and now how did I get here? <laughs> like what was, what triggered me to get here? Because those things aren't going to stop existing in my life. And for me, it was important to me that I didn't say, okay, I have anxiety. Now I'm just going to learn how to live with it. That just didn't work for me. I worked with multiple therapists to figure out, like, how do I rewrite this in my brain? And I had a therapist who sat with me in a few sessions and she asked, what are you really afraid of? I was like, well, I'm afraid of being trapped in a basement with somebody. And she was like, 
with anybody? Like, would you be afraid of being trapped in a basement with a two-year-old? I was like, no, (laughs) I feel stronger than that person. So we like broke it all the way down. And then she was like, okay, would you, we figured out like, I was afraid of being trapped in a basement with a dude who is stronger than I am and has low emotional intelligence. Not even kidding. This was what my therapy session looked like. And she was like, okay, so would you be fine if you were like in an office or in a bathroom or in a bedroom or anywhere else with that person? And I was like, no. So she's like, okay, so it's not about the basement. And what we ended up getting down to is that I don't want to be alone in a room with any male who I perceive as stronger than I am, who I think has low emotional intelligence. And for me, the reason is that I think that somebody with low emotional intelligence doesn't have the tools to necessarily process their emotions, and they might not have a high level of empathy. And those two things together, for me, is a recipe for disaster. So this person might use my body as a coping mechanism because they don't have the tools to process their emotions and they need to cope with whatever they're feeling. So they want to feel powerful or they feel worthless or they feel whatever it is that they are struggling with, that I'm afraid that they'll use my body because they don't have the coping strategies to process their emotion. And then on top of that, if they don't have a high level of empathy, then they wouldn't care that they're using my body. My experience wouldn't matter to them. So that together, coupled with somebody who I feel like I couldn't take, which was a whole nother thing. Like I, I sat in a therapy session at one point and I, when we were trying to figure out what I was afraid of, I was like, well, I'm afraid of getting raped again. And my therapist looked me dead in the face and said, yeah, you might get raped again. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, that's not what you were supposed to tell me. And I was shocked. And she just held that silence as a solid therapist does. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, but I don't want to. And she was like, I know. I know that you don't want to, and it would really suck if you did, and it wouldn't be fair, and all these things, and you might get raped again. I cannot guarantee that you're not going to get raped because you didn't do anything the first time that caused you to be a rape victim. It wasn't about you, she said. It's crazy because I like control and I like to feel like I'm in control. And that sentence took all the control away from me, but it was the most freeing thing ever because I used to do things like make sure that somebody knew where I was and that I was safe at all times. If I was leaving a college class, I would call a friend. Every time I left work, I would either text or call Zach. When I was pulling up to the house, I would call him and we would talk for the last one minute as I parked and walked inside from my car. I wanted to be sure that if somebody tried to assault me, that somebody would know right away. Because the night that that happened, nobody knew and nobody looked for me. And that's not anybody else's fault. 
I lied to my parents. I snuck out of my house. I went to this other place. Like I made those choices, but still after all of that, it wasn't my fault that I was raped, but I did all these things for years, for over a decade of like self-preservation where I was trying to do everything that I could to not get raped. I won't walk alone at night. I won't go to this place. I won't, like, I didn't want to put myself in a situation where I could potentially get raped as if there's a specific situation. It's not true. That's not how this works. So once she told me and I realized there's nothing I can really do that guarantees that I won't be raped again. Then I had this freedom to just live. And what I knew and what she helped me realize is that I could survive that. I can survive rape. I've done it before. I did it as a kid with very minimal toolbox and in isolation and all alone. And now I have this amazing village of support in a whole different toolbox. I could survive it again. And that was huge for me. That gave me the power to live my life and not in fear. All that being said, I still have these triggers. So I said to this therapist, I was like, I want to be able to walk into a basement. I want to be able to do my own laundry because that's where the washer dryer is. I want to be able to wear button fly pants. I want to be able to step outside of my car at night and not want to crumble into a ball because I'm so scared. And she was like, all right, let's do this. So we worked on me learning what it felt like to start to feel anxious so that I could tap into, I could, I could label it. I would say like, oh, I'm feeling scared because X, Y, and Z, because I am walking into a basement and that's where I was raped. I wouldn't say it out loud necessarily, but I would say it to myself like, oh, just like recognizing that's what it is. And then tapping into some coping strategies. So for me, I have used mantras. I will breathe sometimes. I also, a game changer for me was essential oils. I think because it stops and makes me breathe. So I use an essential oil called Valor by Young Living. And I just put some on my wrists and then I can just lean down and give it a smell. And I'm not like reaching for it necessarily in the moment. I would use it preventatively. So for when I was really doing this work and starting to learn what this felt like and get myself in this habit, I would wear Valor every day and I'd put it on my wrists and then on the palm of my hand. And if I started to feel anxious and I had identified that, then I would pause and breathe in Valor and just inhale that essential oil, which also every time you pause and you breathe, you are helping to leave your amygdala, your feelings brain, and head into your prefrontal cortex, uh, which is your rational brain. So, And that was my goal, always is my goal, is if I'm in my feelings brain, how do I help myself move to my rational brain? Because that's where I can make decisions, and that's where I can act with choice and not just react. So I breathe. I had some mantras that I kept on my phone for a little while. I wrote one on my hand and it was literally some, for some people that phrase, uh, mantra doesn't sit well with folks. So phrase is another thing you could call this. It's really just like some words that are grounding for you and remind you of 
whatever it is. So with going into the basement, I would say, you're safe. You weren't raped because you were in a basement. And would just remind myself of that over and over. And it would literally pull me out of my feelings brain and I would feel my body start to calm and my heart rate slow. And then I could say like, okay, let's go do the laundry. Like I could talk myself through it once I learned how to identify it and build those tools. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory, two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky, wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Did you know that I created a sleep course? Yep. All of the knowledge that I have about sleep science, child development, and all the things about this, all the information that goes into my sleep presentations and that I bring to a sleep consult, everything is in this sleep course called Active Kiddos, Sleepy Parents, because duh, and I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it to my email list though first. Those folks are going to have first dibs on this course for an introductory price. And the first 25 people get a $50 discount off of the course. If you want to be one of the first 25 people to snag this course at that special price, come join our email list right now. Seedandso.org. Come join the village. I'll slide into your inbox with a hot deal so that you can set your kiddos up for success for a lifetime when it comes to snoozing. Not to mention, we're all better at responding to these tiny humans when we aren't sleep deprived. Sleep is crucial for immune support and development and our emotional support. So come on over, join the email list, be one of the first people to snag this course when it launches at the end of January. Can't wait to see you there. 
I think it's important to note that I worked with multiple therapists throughout the years because they all brought different things to the table. I didn't work with multiple at one time, but over the years at different stages that I was in, they served different purposes. So the therapist that I used first didn't address anxiety in the way that I felt was possible. Her like approach to anxiety was to help you learn those triggers and to be aware of it, but she didn't approach it as something that you could genuinely not have to live with. She would say things like, you have anxiety, or that I was would be feeling anxious, and I just couldn't accept that. <laughs> I was like, I genuinely, I, I genuinely don't feel like that is how it has to be. And I still, to this day, I mean, on this, on the other side of this, I know that for me, it wasn't how it had to be. It's not how it is now. I can honestly say that I don't live with anxiety. I still have fear sometimes, but I do not get stuck in it and it doesn't spiral because I've learned how to identify it and then tap into coping strategies. And I'm not afraid to feel fear anymore because I know that I have the tools to process it. It's not an excuse for me that like I'm, I'm feeling anxious. It was for a long, long time. And Zach was amazing and patient. And there were a lot of things that I would say, well, I just, ha- I'm feeling anxious. I can't go down and do the laundry. And so he did the laundry for years, years. And I, you know, even the, like calling him in the car or th- there are so many examples of like ways that he responded because I didn't know how else to feel. And I I genuinely feel like I was using it as an excuse. And now I feel like I have an entirely different toolbox, which is awesome. I work out every single morning in a basement and I can honestly say I don't feel scared. I think one thing that I want to say when it comes to anxiety is that your brain is controlling the conversation here. And I think that if taking medication coupled with therapy and really working on getting to the root of the challenge and rewriting that narrative in your brain is helpful for you, awesome. I am definitely not anti-medication here. I think whatever is helpful for you to navigate this is awesome. I think it's really important if you don't want to live with anxiety that you're doing the work in therapy or with a professional to help rewrite that narrative in your brain and not just taking the medication because taking the medication can give you that temporary relief, but it takes a lot of intention and work and effort to rewrite that narrative. I'm thinking again of West Wing where once Josh realizes what his triggers are and is able to identify what he was feeling and talk about the experience, then the therapist is like, okay, great. I'm going to set you up with another therapist. And he was like, wait, no, like you can't leave this room. What if I hear music again and 
I, you know, punch another window, which is what he'd done in the episode, or I, you know, hurt myself in some way. He was like, what do I do? Like, is this essentially like, is this my new life? (laughs) And the therapist said, no, it gets better. And he was like, am I cured? And And the therapist told him, no, like you have to go to therapy and do this work, but it gets better. And I genuinely believe that. That has been my experience with it. It has been my husband's experience with anxiety. There was a time in our relationship where I said to him, I am in this for the long haul, anxiety and all, if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to go to therapy. If you're not, I can't hang around for this. I'm not signing up for this. And he did. We both have gone to therapy and worked on anxiety and far beyond the learning what it feels like, it can get better than that. You do not have to just live with it. I genuinely believe that. All right. I feel like this episode is going to be a hot topic and I'm sure I will get a lot of messages on this one. I want to leave you with a final note that it is not a sign of weakness to get help and it's not a sign of weakness to admit these things. And you can do hard things. You can get help and not have to live with anxiety. You can. I genuinely believe that and I hope that for you. And I hope that my experience and my story brings any inspiration for you there. If you're like, great, I'm on board, now what? I don't know what that looks like for you, but for me, I started just on psychologytoday.com and we did through therapists and I phone interviewed a few therapists to see if I felt like we were a good fit. Uh, I think it's really important that you have someone you feel comfortable sharing all the crap with because you're going to have to. (laughs) They're not the person you lie to to look like a different human or to make your life look perfect or anything like that. Like this is someone you have to feel comfortable being vulnerable with. And I think for a lot of folks, they think that you have to trust someone in order to be vulnerable with them. And I think that you have to be vulnerable with people in order to trust them. And there's this fear that someone's going to take that vulnerability and abuse it, that you, when you're vulnerable, someone could hurt you. And so we're taught from a young age to put those walls up and not be vulnerable. But I think to have therapy be successful, you, you got to bring those walls down. And you've got to be willing to get vulnerable and know that the therapist isn't there to hurt you, that you're safe in that space. All right. This is a heavy episode. I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. And I look forward to chatting with you all about this over on Instagram at seed.and.so and on our Facebook group, seed ampersand and, you know, the little ampersand guy. So S-E-W colon voices of your village. Uh, come on over. Let's chat about it. I am not an expert in this I can only share from my experience and my husband's experience and what we have seen as possible, but I'm happy to chat always. All right. Catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. 
Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.